This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome back to another episode of Get Started Investing, a podcast where we attempt to answer the most common money and investing questions from our community. If you have joined us for the very first time, a massive welcome. We do strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Now, while we are licensed, we're not aware of your financial circumstances. So any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Good to be here. In your introduction there, you say we answer some of the most common money and investing questions. And in this episode, we're going to answer perhaps... The most common one, can money buy happiness? Yeah. Is it? Or is that just the same? Isn't it which broker can I use? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do I invest for my kids? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the hardest <laughs> does, one does to chess, answer. Does chess sponsorship does, matter? Yeah, does <laughs> chess sponsorship matter? <laughs> the hardest one to answer, I think, and the most probably one of the most hotly debated is does money buy happiness? Mm. Yes. And we're fortunate that we're going to be speaking today with uh, Kate Campbell, who's written a book on this subject. Kate is the host of the Australian Finance Podcast uh, with, with Owen Raskovich and her book is called Buying Happiness, Learn to Invest Your Time and Money Better. Yes. So we're going to give her a call. She's down in Melbourne and we're going to hopefully answer, can money buy happiness? Kate, welcome to Get Started Investing. Thank you for having me. So to kick it off, you've just written a book. Congratulations. Thank you very much, fellow authors. Fellow authors, yes. It's called Buying Happiness, Learn to Invest Your Time and Money Better. Let's start with a bit about the book. Why, why write it and, and what have you learned about the writing process? Uh, well, basically, I think we often get very focused on the numbers of investing, the budgeting, the, all of the, the nitty gritty stuff. And I think sometimes we forget why we're actually doing it. Why are we building wealth? What is the point of it all? Because if we don't really figure out why we're doing it, it can be feel very hard to invest for a long period of time. Because if we're putting money away for future us that we could be using to go and have a fun experience today, it's a trade-off that we're having to make all the time. So actually knowing, well, while, why am I investing? Why am I building wealth? Do I want more time with my family? Do I want more choices? Do I want to retire early? Whatever it is, having a better understanding of that and how money interacts with the way you experience life and the way you are satisfied and happy with your life, I think is really important. So it was actually a paper I read a couple of years ago 
um, from some US researchers that says if money doesn't make you happy, you're probably not spending it right. And that pulled together about 50 different research studies from across the US about how money and happiness interact. And I just went down a complete rabbit hole. And that kind of was the very start of the book. So pulling together a lot of research in that area, as well as all the stuff I've done with the podcast and the discussions I've had with our community over the last seven years sort of all came together and created Buying Happiness. I found the writing wasn't too hard, but it was the editing process that I found the most difficult. I'm not sure if it was the same with you, but I finally got a lot of feedback on something because often in my brain, you jump from A to C and you don't explain B. And so I think it really helped me articulate what I wanted to say a lot better, having a really good editor just going through everything with a fine tooth comb and saying, well, you need to explain how you got here, or that just doesn't make sense to the person that doesn't have a personal finance and investing hat on. Mm, I found the same. The editing process, I guess we're just not used to it. Like digital media has such a quick publishing cycle and then, you know, months of editing back and forth. It's uh, It was a new experience for us, but makes you clarify your thinking, I guess, a little bit more. But Kate, my parents always told me that money can't buy happiness. That was, you know, money's not everything. Money can't buy happiness. So... Are you telling me that my parents steered me wrong? Well, I think you and I would both agree we can't go and buy happiness from Woolworths, but there are a lot of things we can do with our money to increase our chances of being happy. So firstly, money covers a lot of our baseline needs. It covers our rent, it covers our bills, it covers our food. So that's really important. Baseline needs are getting fulfilled with money. So that gives us a better chance at happiness. And then we can also use our money to do things we enjoy. So we can use money to boost our happiness by buying experiences, by spending more time with friends and family, because maybe we have enough money that we can take holidays and we can take extra days off to spend more time with friends and family. Maybe we can use our money to add anticipation into our lives, which adds happiness as well. So instead of buying something immediately, well, we can buy something that we're not going to experience for six months. Then we get to anticipate that experience over the next six months. And we also get the the happiness boost from the experience itself. So while money and happiness just can't be purchased directly, there's a lot of ways we can use our money just a little bit differently to get a bigger happiness boost in our lives. So, Kate, you listed a lot of things there that can make us happy. How do we know, how do you suggest that we figure out what actually makes us happy? Because I'm sure if Ren and I are buying the same things, our our end happiness is not going to be the same. It is definitely very personal. And I think one of the exercises that's really helpful, um, we call it the 10 things activity, is just writing out the 10 things that you spend the most money on and then the 10 things that bring you the most value that might take some time to work out and seeing if there's any alignment there because often we're spending a lot of money on things. Yes, there's things that we have to spend money on like rent and bills, but maybe we can reduce them a little bit. But there might also be other things we're spending money on just on autopilot because we think we should because maybe our parents told us that we should be spending money on X, Y, Z and it's not really something we value or not value anymore. So if you can just take some time each year to just go through maybe the last month of your bank statement and the last month of your calendar, because I think time's something we often we often forget about, and actually go, well, how have I allocated my time and my money over the past month? 
and then thinking, well, does that reflect the person I want to be? And are there some small changes I can make over the next month to better align who I am and my values with where I'm spending my time and money? Because we only get so much of it each month. We only get so much income from our job. We only get so much time that we're not sleeping or at work. So how are we using that a little bit better? And that can be really hard to do. And I don't want you to try and make over your life overnight, but even just do that activity and think of one thing you can do next month where you can spend maybe $50 in a slightly different way to add more value to your life. So maybe you cut costs in one area that's not really bringing you any happiness and actually spend that money on something you enjoy. And same with your time. Maybe you actually want to spend more time going for walks with friends, but you're spending most of your time watching Netflix. Well, is there just one hour that you can swap out? And it's just those small changes over time, like investing on a regular basis over time that really add up and make a huge difference. Kate, I think a lot of people would understand the concepts at an abstract level, the idea of, you know, being, I, I guess a lot of it is like being really intentional and considered with your money and, and understanding the trade-offs you're making and I guess trying to build the life that maximizes your happiness. Conceptually, it all makes sense. But where most of us, and I'm definitely going to put my hand up here, uh, where most of us fall down is taking those ideas and then putting them into practice. And instead, I live a life where I have to put up with Bryce most every day. <laughs> can't pay to get rid of me. I well, you could like, pay me and I'll... True. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I, got, I don't think I got the means. Um, so I'd love to... Uh, I'm sure you've done plenty of these interviews. You've explained those concepts. I want to, I guess, put uh, flip the table... Not flip the table. <laughs> flip the script. <laughs> I want to put the spotlight on you and ask... I want to unpack some of these things and I guess how you've approached them personally. And, and I think that help us take some of these concepts that we're talking about and actually make them a lot more actionable so i mean let's start at the beginning and and take us through i guess the process that you outline in the book and how you've applied some of those lessons i guess first of all in figuring out what you want to prioritize and then how you've actually gone about prioritizing them so one exercise that i've used and i did include that in the book as well is actually just thinking about well what does my ideal tuesday look like And so writing down what my current Tuesday looks like, it doesn't need to be to the minute, but just sort of roughly half an hour, one hour blocks. So what am I doing when I wake up? What am I doing during the day? What am I doing when I come home from work? So that's probably generally you're living that on autopilot at the moment. Maybe you're spending some time with friends and family. You might be cooking, you might be ordering out. And then you also think about, well, what would I like my ideal Tuesday to look like? And being realistic, you're probably still going to have to do some form of work. So your Tuesday is a realistic Tuesday. But also, once you've written those two things out, then actually seeing, well, how much overlap is there? And is there a small change I can make? So when I did that, I realized, well, I'm saying that I want to spend more time outside and I want to spend more time with friends and family. But actually what's happening on Tuesday is I'm getting home and spending three hours or four hours watching Netflix. So what is one change I can make to more closely align how I'm spending my time currently and how I want to spend my time? And that can just be a really small change. It's not something that's going to take any more time. You're just reallocating an hour you already have. It's not going to cost you any more money, but that can more closely align who you are right now and who you really want to be. Because often we discount all of that time. We think, okay, there's time for that later. But really, I think we need to embrace the present moment more because we only have so many hours. And one of the challenges with 
all the finance and investing conversations we have is there's always that tension between enjoying today and securing our future. And it's always a, it's a trade-off, but it's also a reprioritization because I might say, okay, I'm happy sacrificing maybe half of my weekend every weekend for five years because I want to do this course. So that's what I'm doing right now. But I know that it's going to have benefits for future me and I'm also enjoying the process. So it's a constantly going through how you're spending your time and money and going, but am I happy with the trade-offs I'm making? Because at the end of the day, you do want to make some decisions that are going to help future you. And I, I like to frame it as how are you being kind to your future self? Because we don't necessarily want to put lots of money aside for our future. We don't necessarily want to put money into our super for retirement. But if you think about yourself in 30 years time, which which I know is very, very hard to do, but going, what are some small decisions I can make today that are kind to my future self? And that will give my future self more choices and options because although I don't know who I'm going to be in 30 years time, I know that I'm probably going to want more time and I'm going to want to have choices. And I know that money will give me more options. So that's one way of framing it. Yeah. I'm, now I'm just thinking about what my ideal Tuesday would be. <laughs> uh, we had some friends who like they're paying to get back time, but just something simply like they were like, we are just going to, we're not going to go to the shops anymore. We're just going to get Woolies delivered an hour and a half on a Sunday traffic, you know, paying the extra $9 for their hour and a half back in time is something that they decided was the thing to do this is going down a rabbit hole but i also reckon you probably would save money on a lot of probably more than nine dollars a lot <laughs> true, of true, true. Like impulse, the impulse purchases yeah. at checkout yeah, yeah but yeah, does yeah. impulse purchase make you happy uh <laughs> short term yes but once that sugar hit wears off no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i think like the classic example for me that when you talk about like the different trade-offs between time and money was before we could our jobs to do equity mates full-time we were both working full-time jobs and I negotiated with my employer to go down to four days a week. So one day a week I could work purely on equity mates and that was like a classic trade-off of less money coming in from the salary but designing, I guess, a better life. Mm, yeah. Mm. Creating more opportunities for yourself potentially in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, uh, I think there was a lot of fulfillment that came from like building this ourselves. So like, obviously, like, it'd be great if there was a financial result from equity mates. But I think just like the learning and the fulfillment and certainly something I was more passionate about. Mm. Not that I didn't enjoy my job. Anyway, not about me. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, there's a lot to that, Alec, because often we get the most happiness from the process. The, The results usually... I mean, it's probably different in your case of building a business, but for a lot of us, we're striving, like maybe we want $10,000 in our bank account. Like we'll have $10,000 in our bank account for a second for well, maybe a day or two before we have some more money in our bank account. And we get a quick happiness boost from that, but it's usually the happiness of the process and the habits we learn along the way and the fulfillment we know that we can put money aside for ourselves. So I think sometimes we get really caught up on the goals, especially with our finances, but also we start to discount that the process actually has a lot of value in making us happy and fulfilled and satisfied along the way. I guess the, the other thing, I mean, there's so much, there's so many aspects to happiness. It's such a big concept, but when we're, when we're talking about this, there's often the trade-offs between like short-term happiness and long-term happiness. And, you know, Bryce gave the classic example of, um, you know, the, the impulse purchase 
makes you happy for a second and then makes you sad once you realize how much money you spent or how much sugar you've just eaten. But I guess, you know, even things like taking maybe a step back from work, taking a less stressful job, not chasing a promotion because then you can have a lifestyle that you want in the shorter term versus building the life that you might want in the longer term that might need a little bit more money. Like how do you how do you think about the trade-offs between the short term and the long term? I try to balance between the two, knowing that I'm never going to make a perfect balance. And I have to just keep reevaluating on a yearly basis because my financial plan is written down on paper. It's loose though, because what I want one year is very different to what I want the next year. And you're probably familiar with this, the end of time illusion, where we think that we've changed a lot over the past 10 years. We think a lot's happened in our lives. But then when we think about what's going to happen over the next 10 years, we don't think we'll change that much. We don't think that there'll be any big major events in our lives. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that, that chances are lots of things are going to change over our lives. We might meet someone, we might travel overseas, we might start a family, we might want to sell a house or buy a house. And our financial plan just can't have every one of those events written down. And so having a financial plan that serves you, but it's also loose enough to be malleable when all these changes come up is something that is really important to me when trying to deal with those changes that life's going to throw at you. So I'm thinking with when I'm writing my financial plan and setting goals each year, I'm thinking about, well, how am I using some of my resources, my time and money to really enjoy the present moment and to make the most of the life I have in front of me right now? But also, can I make some small changes? And the earlier you start, the smaller these changes have to be to set my future self up. So for me, that's putting a little bit of extra money into my superannuation each month because that is giving Kate in 50 years time, a lot more choice and option with what she does with her time. She'll have more choices. And so that's one way that I balance that trade-off that's constantly tugging at either side of me of how am I enjoying my resources today, but also putting some resources aside for my future self. Because at the end of the day, it's the same person, but we can feel so disconnected that it feels very hard to be in contact with our super and our future goals. So I think that's that's one way that I find it a little bit easier to manage, but then there's always constantly that trade-off because I'm like, oh, I'm going to Europe again next year might sound fun, but that would also would make me have to push back a lot of other financial goals I have. So it's it's always weighing up what are the pros and cons in any year, but I think you just have to know that things will keep changing and that is okay and it's a part of life. All right, Kate, well, we're going to just take a very quick break. And on the other side, we're going to understand what are some key actions that the community can take to start prioritizing and buying their happiness. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. We're back with Kate Campbell, co-host of the Australian Finance Podcast and author of Buying Happiness. 
So, Kate, to, to close out, aside from buying the book, and we'll include a link to all reputable bookstores in the show notes, um, what, what are some things that our audience, the community can put in place to A, I think, start considering their financial plan um, and what are the buckets they need to, to be thinking about, but then also to start thinking about what are the priorities around the, the happiness, what are some simple steps or, or actions that they can, they can start doing? Yeah, so I think the biggest one is just experimenting with these things. So there's a lot of research that shows all these different things that boost our happiness, whether it's adding a bit of anticipation to our next purchase, whether it's giving money away to your friends and family and charity that gives us a happiness boost, whether it's your example before buying your time back by having your groceries delivered. But these are always average. They're like, on a whole, this group said this. So they're not all going to work for you and they're not going to all work in the same circumstances. So finding small ways that you have already experienced happiness boosts and so you might go, well, I really feel a bit of a happiness boost when I have a coffee with a friend on the weekend and we walk around the park. So how can you take that and add more of that to your to your routine? Because you're going to have to experiment. Like personal finance isn't one size fits all. Yes, there's some generally good ways to do things that have worked for lots of people. But at the end of the day, it is personal. And so finding different ways to experiment and just make a small change here. So this weekend, you might want to try adding a bit more novelty. So instead of going to exactly the same place for coffee, you try a new place and you see, well, does that add any value to my life? Does that make me happier? Or do I really like just going to the same place because I've got a great rapport with the staff at that coffee shop? So just Try and experiment when it comes to your finances and not just going on autopilot. That's probably my biggest tip for people to take away. Love it. Nice one. I can think of one thing we've done here at the office is no meeting Mondays. How's that working? Get that time back in the diary to just do stuff, Mm. which has been super valuable. And I think it gives us a much better feeling to start the week, knowing that we can get on top of everything and head into the week strong rather than coming into a Monday feeling crunched and then playing catch up. So we're happy. But then you can experiment. (laughs) Like maybe it's better to have no meeting Friday or no meeting Wednesday. Like experiment with those things and see what adds the most value. No, how about no work (laughs) Friday? (laughs) No work Friday, no meeting Monday, half day Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. (laughs) I mean, variability adds a happiness boost as well. So you've got to mix things up and keep things exciting. Nice. Well, uh, Kate, I, I think uh, your book is a, it's a good ad- addition to the number of personal finance books that have come out recently. Plenty of books have spoken about building wealth. Far fewer have spoken about what we should do with that wealth. So as everyone listening, hopefully slowly chips away at their financial goals, they can also, I guess, interrogate what those goals are. So congratulations on the book. Uh, we know how much work goes into it. So congratulations. And uh, as Bryce said, we'll include the link in our show notes. So um, good luck with it. And I'm sure we'll speak again. Thank you very much, boys. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you 
you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.